the month of El. Oh, wow. Okay. Welcome. This Shabbos, Shabbos Mavarchim El. Pashas Re'ei. What more does it need to be? Zach Chedesh Menachem of 27th of Shabbos of Chedesh Menachem of. We know, of course, that Zach, the letters Zayin Chof, are the Shemin, representative of Shemin Zayin Zach. person, a Jew, needs to achieve purity, as is the purity of the oil of the Menorah. Shabbos Mevarachim Chaydesh El, which in Yetz Hashem will be Monday night, which Chaydesh El begins. And there are the different customs of Chaydesh El. Which, of course, obviously we need to discuss now, since the next year will be in Chaydesh El already. For example, the beginning of the recitation of the Davar Hashem Eiri, Mini Chabad, first day of Chaydesh El, we begin the recitation of the Davar Hashem Eiri by Shachris. We say it after the Shir Shayim. And by Mincha before Aleinu. Many other people have customs to say it after Aleinu. I believe in Ashkenaz they say it by Mayrib as well. Don't quote me on that. I don't know what the Svardic custom is. Svardic custom is on a Shkredish El they begin to say Slichis. And they continue sleep at, aren't you happy in Asfardi? I saw that reaction. <laughs> and they say Slichas for 40 days. As Moshe Rabbeinu, when he went up to Har Sinai, on Ishkhedish El, to beg for forgiveness for all that happened, until ultimately on Yom Kippur, Yom HaKadosh, with Abish, tells him, Salach Tikid Varecho. Another custom, a mini Chabad, also that begins the Shkedesh El and continues on until Hishan Rabbah, is we say every day, excuse me, to Yom Kippur, what's Yom Kippur? The Dabra Shemeri said to Hishan Rabbah, we say three Kapitlach Tehillim. On the first day of Rishchidish, Aleph El, we say Aleph, Beis, and Gimel, in addition to the regular Tilim that we say. On the second day we say Dalit, Hey, and Vav, etc., until on a Shoshana and Yom Kippur there are certain extra Kapitlach that are added as well. And ultimately, by Nila, we finish the entire Tehillim. So therefore we have a direct connection with Rishchidosh Elul with Yom Kippur. As the Kapara begins on Rishchidosh Elul and ultimately finishes on Yom Kippur. Also anyone listening, we have a group of women going on Monday evening, 
This Monday, Arab Eshkedesh will have a group of women going to the Ohel. As is traditionally Arab Eshkedesh. Because the, the ones that really eat the rice on Pesach, the Sephardim that eat the rice on Pesach, they do it right. If they do it in today's day and age, obviously it's uh, a lot of corners get cut. But the ones that did it originally would start checking the rice 30 days before. And it had to be checked, I think, three times. They had to check each and every grain. It's all right, I'll, I'll pass on the potatoes. Um, not a rice eater whole year anyway. Pashas A. Noticed many interesting letters from the Rebbe to people on Pashas A. If you ever want to look, the end of the Kutisichas, the Svaram, the Kutisichas, usually have at the end, they have a suffice, they have supplements, besides the Sichas in the beginning, they have also the supplements at the end of the Sefer. And most of them are letters from the Rebbe that the Rebbe writes to people and gives brachas. And the very interesting word that the Rebbe uses, it says, the bracha, the blessing, asher tishmu. It's not im tishmu, it's not ki tishmu, it's asher. As you will listen, as you will hear, what? <laughs> you put a message in the box, you never sent it. Okay. It's taken for granted that the Jew will listen to the mitzvahs. Memele, the brachas will automatically fall into place. Since it's taken, the Debesh says, Asher Tishmu, it's inevitable you're going to listen to the mitzvahs, you're going to do the mitzvahs of Hashem. Therefore, says the Ebishter that the bracha is going to come into place, into fruition. Esakvola, on the other hand, the curses, is only if, God forbid, you're going to go astray, you're going to go away, you're going to not do what you have to do. But it's an if. And even though a person, Chas Shalom, does do a sin, there's always a tshuva, there's always repentance for it. And by doing tshuva, we know that b'makim shabal tshuva ain't the main tzaddikim gemurim yuchelim lamed. That where the bal tshuva stands, the greatest of tzaddikim will never reach, and that's because they elevate zdeinus nasle kizachis as Dalt Rebbe and Tanya. Their avedus that they do tshuva for become merits. So now, whereas a person does limited amount of mitzvahs, a person does unfortunately more often than not a lot of avedus. Avedas come out of the sleeve a lot easier than the mitzvahs do. Now when I take all my Avedas also, and I accumulate them, and I do tshuva for them, and I elevate them as to be mitzvahs as well, Ashrecha. Wrong, wrong chassidus. <laughs> in in Breslov they say Ashrecha. <laughs> um, so therefore the beginning of the Pasha starts at A. If the grammar would be real, it would be a ma shani neisin lefnechem. What does it have to do with our service to Hashem? There's a gemara for those keeping score at home in Rosh Hashanah, twenty-six side one. Ein aid nase dayin. An aid, a witness, cannot become a dayin, cannot become a judge. Because kevin de chazihui, le matzachazi Since he saw it happen, he won't be able to find a merit for the person. Masha ein kein, kasha dayonim shem vizadolar me'edim. 
when Dayanam listened to something from witnesses, testimony, Edim Nemonim from true witnesses, even though the Edim are true witnesses, and the Edim are telling true testimony, still in all, Chazal a true Dayan, a true Rabbi, a true Rav, finds a schus for another Jew. So therefore we see that Ria, sight, makes, gives something substantiality. A person can totally believe something when they see it. So much so, seeing is believing as we say, and therefore, if you are going to try to argue with somebody who actually saw the fact, you're not going to win. If you heard a hearsay, and somebody else saw the actual action happen, he wins hands down, because he saw it. However, hearing, when it comes to actually hearing something, even if you hear firsthand from reliable sources, there's always doubt in your heart. Doubt the veracity of this issue. And it's nothing like actually seeing it. And that's why Lashon Hara is such a horrific thing. Even if you hear the Lashon Hara from somebody that saw the thing happen, or Lashon Hara from somebody who says it happened to them, it's Lashon Hara. And because it's Lashon Hara, you as a Jew have to find a schus. You have to find some kind of merit for that person. I spoke about it many times, about the book called The Other Side. It's a series of books already. In the books, The Other Side, what they do is they write a story. And you, come, you jump to the conclusion by hearing this story, you want to just kill the person for what they just did. And then they tell you the other side of the story, why this all went about, why this happened. And you step back and you say, oh my gosh, how could I even thought anything wrong with this person? Therefore the Torah at this point tells us, I want you to see it. By learning Torah, doing mitzvahs, that I am giving before you. It has to be by each and every Jew, as if re'eh, they are actually seeing and living with it. It's not just something they heard in a rumor. <coughs> Taylor and mitzvahs have to be substantiated, have to become one with the person, as if he saw it himself. And this is how the bracha comes about, with re'eh, with the seeing the actual mitzvah. Pasha talks about Yom Tevim. The Pasha is going to talk about kosher animals. What we're allowed to eat, what we're not allowed to eat. Why does the terror wait to this point? At this juncture, as the Jews are about to go into the Holy Land, to talk about the meat that we may or may not eat. And the tailor again says, someone get that please. <coughs> as much as you're going to desire you should eat meat. And then the tailor finishes off the basic and says, Be very careful not to eat the blood. And this is not the first warning. And the, the Tarashi explains, look how beautiful Teda is. If we have a schus, we have a merit not to eat blood, if we refrain from drinking blood, we get a mitzvah. How easy is that? It's such a revolting thought to even drink blood. 
And yet for refraining from it, we get a mitzvah for it. So much more so, how beautiful the rest of the Teda is, that the merits that we get and the schusen that we get for all the other mitzvahs that we do. But what is the avas nafshecha? What is the desires that a person has to sit down and to eat meat? The Gemara tells us, for those keeping score at home, Chulim 16, side 2. Rabbi Shmol, Eimer, Rabbi Shmol says, The Posek here is teaching us that a person is allowed to have meat that he just wants to eat. He has a taiva, he has a desire. Why now? Until they entered the Holy Land, they were not allowed to eat regular meat. Only meat that was brought from sacrifices were they allowed to partake in eat. Once they entered the Holy Land, meat of desire they were allowed to eat. We have to explain how this is relevant to us in our daily life. When the Jews were in the desert, 40 years in the desert, they had nothing physical, nothing mundane to deal with. Oh, just looking for this. There was nothing mundane to deal with. There was no physical, there was no jobs, no work, nothing. <coughs> As they enter into the Holy Land, ah, they had to enter to a whole new thing. Until now all they did was study Torah and they had their food prepared. And even if they ate meat, it was because they brought a carbon. Now they went into the Holy Land, they had to start to elevate, purify all the physical actions. As the Prophet says, Everything, every maise you do, should be for the sake of heaven. In all your paths you should know God. Every physical nuance is something that we can elevate and we can purify. Therefore, the Pasuk is warning us. Yes, you're going into the Holy Land. And yes, now you're allowed to eat meat. And not just meat from sacrifices, but regular meat that you desire to eat. Even if there's no mitzvah, just that you're making a bracha. You still must be careful. Chazak levilti achel asadam. Still cold. Yikes. So I may as well turn it on. Okay, I may as well turn it on. <laughs> Why? Resicha Sadomim. The boiling of blood. The life of a person should not be in meat in physical concepts. But rather, everyone should know, everything that a person does should always be to elevate, to bring about the Kiddush Hashem, to bring about the blessings of God, etc. And one of the mitzvahs that the parasha talks about, Ki tiftach as yod as you will open your hand to him. You should give him. And Rashi gives the translation of these words. You should open your hands to him. I feel it come upon me even several times. 
But when it says nothing titain to give him, Rashi says afilu meyapam him even a hundred times. Why is Rashi deviating? This only several times, and this even a hundred times. According to the actual pasuk, it says, it's followed up by the previous pasuk, which is, Don't harden your heart, and don't jump away with your hand. And therefore the pasuk continues, the Torah continues, in the dialect, and says, Keep a seach tiftach, as you will open your hand. So it talks about opening your hand, giving tzedakah. And it tells us the giving of the tzedakah should be, Besever panim yafes. In a good, happy face. In the second passage, when it talks about giving tzedakah bepeil, it talks about Kishikarva and Shnaz Hashavah, the seventh year comes about. Now the seventh year, the Shemitah is coming about and there's going to be a lesser amount of produce as we cannot work throughout the year. And the person is going to try to refrain and to hold back, says the Taylor now St. Titanley. Now we understand why Rashi changes. Because only on the actual giving do we command the person the giving should be even a hundred times. Opening the heart, that's a heart, that's a feeling, that's an emotion. You can't command somebody's heart to open up a hundred times. You can command to open up, to be open to the person. The Utuch Sidim, Zalman from Dubrovna and Pinchas from Shklov, they were very wealthy. And Zalman Dubrovna had a very interesting way of giving charity. He had boxes in front of him, different boxes. He had one box silver coins, one box gold coins, one box copper coins. When a person would come to him and would pour his heart out and tell him what he needs, he would reach into the box, any one of the boxes, it didn't matter, he didn't look which one, He'd take a handful of coins and he would give it to the person. When a Pinchas Shklov heard that this is Zalman who said that the only merit I have in life is in the fact that I give tzedakah, the only thing that will come with me after 120 years is my tzedakah, He went to see, the Pirchus went to see, how does he give? And he was very, very enthralled with the method to be able to just reach into a box and give the tzedakah away. And he did the same, he set up his boxes and when people came to him, he also reached into the box and gave them the handful. But when he came to the Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, and he told him that he does the same thing as if Zalmanki does, but there's one difference. He says, Abzalman takes a handful and just hands it to the person and has no idea what he gave and how much he gave. I can't do that. I'll take my handful and before I give it, I'll count and see how much I just gave. Maybe i got to talk to you. You're going to Montreal, right? So we got to talk. So I give the money. I give the same way. But I have to look at it first. I can't refrain. I can't hold back from that. So therefore, he said how Absalman was in such a so much higher level than he was. The Altarebbe, as you might know, had a daughter who gave birth to his son Menachem Mendel. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The Altarebbe's, right, the Altarebbe's son, the Altarebbe's son, as the middle Rebbe, who had a son-in-law, Tzemach Tzedek. Tzemach Tzedek was what to the Altarebbe? How was he his grandson? 
daughter. That's what I said. Okay. His daughter gave birth to the Tamil Sadak. That's what I said. His daughter-in-law gave birth to Tzema Tzedek. Correct. Okay. That's what it was. My mind is not functioning. The Tzema Tzedek, in turn, because his mother passed away very young, was basically raised by the Alter Rebbe. No. His daughter gave birth to Tzema Okay. His daughter, which was married to... The Tzema Tzedek, though, was married to... The Mitra Rebbe's daughter. Okay. So the Alter Rebbe's daughter gave birth to the Tzemach Tzedek, as we said originally. The Tzemach Tzedek was raised by the Alter Rebbe. When Tzemach Tzedek got married, the Alter Rebbe was very adamantly against um, frivolous use of money. He didn't like when people threw money around. He liked money to be calculated and understood, valued and Befrat he said, especially since in his household he relied on people giving money so basically it was money tzedakah although the tzedakah they wanted to give to the Rebbe but this is how a Rebbe lived he lived off the tzedakah money so if he's living on tzedakah money it's not right to be a spendthrift and some tzedakah came into the Alter Rebbe once and he had a very expensive belt on and his grandfather asked him, Thus it us. And he said to him, This is a, whatever belt. This is, uh, tell me, he says, uh, You got married. What did you do with the money that you made, the dowry? He says, I have it. What are you doing with it? So I'm investing it. I have an investor that's going to invest for me the money. And it'll earn me money. It'll earn me more money. The Altareb pointed on his desk was a pushka, tzedakah box. And he said, Lake is best of that. I put it here better. Hmm. Put all the money in here and your principal and your interest will all be fine. But Samachsedek looked at his grandfather, the Altareb, and thought, he's a, of the old age. <laughs> yes. They were talking about 300 years ago. And the grandfather, the grandson already considered the grandfather oh. from the other generation. And Samachsedek felt that this investing the money was more important and therefore, yes. although his father warned him many times, No. There's no Jewish ritual of drinking blood. So the, but the question is, though, why did the terror warn us so many times about the drinking of blood? And the answer is that ultimately it's just to give us more merit, the fact that we don't drink it. There is some opinions that say that people did have an actual yearning for it, but it's not uh, substantiated, really. Um, anyway, the Altarebbe said, put your money here, invest it here. Samachsedek was skeptical and ultimately Samachsedek gave it to his investor and the investor went bust. He lost everything. A few weeks later, Dr. Abbas saw his grandson and said, what happened with your money? You made a lot of money on it? And the Tzadik, you know, he said, no, I never lost all the money. Dr. Abbas said, it's too bad that my children, grandchildren, Chassidim, don't have the same faith in me like the people in Volonia. Well, it was in Russia, no? Yeah. So the looked at him perplexed. What happened in Volonia? The Altareb explained the following. That there was one time he was traveling to Liadi, to Liozhna, and the weather was very severe winter, and he was already frostbitten, and they had to stop emergency by an inn in this city, in Bologna. And the driver literally had to carry the Altarebbe into the inn because he was frozen. 
And Baruch Hashem, he defrosted, and he came to, this, came to himself. And the Jewish innkeeper, an elderly fellow, was sitting there. And the Al-Tarebbe asked him a question. He says, tell me, how often do you dive with a minion? Do you have a minion here? So he said, no, we don't have a minion in town. How many years are you here? He says, 50 years. He says, 50 years, you don't dive with a minion? He says, well, Sha- with Shabbos sometimes. But Yamim Tevim, almost always, I go into town. And there I dive with a minion. But during the week, he never dives with a minion. So Al-Tarebbe says, I think it's enough. It's time for you to go and start diving with a minion. So he says, but that means moving to town. He says, yes. He says, but my panasa is here. My whole income. The Al-Tarebbe said to him, tell me how many people live in the city? He said, about a hundred families. So you're telling me God can support a hundred families, he can't support a hundred and one? And you should just know, the Alter Rebbe said, he's a young fellow still, the Rebbe. You should just know, I'm a student of the Mazit Shemagid. That's all he told him. The Alter Rebbe went about whatever he had to do. A short while later, he sees wagons in front of the inn, and they're being packed up. Comes out to see who's standing there. The owner of the inn is standing there. And he's packing everything up. He says, what's going on? He says, I'm moving to town. So why are you moving to town? He says, you just told me. You as a student of the Mazichi Market told me that it's time to go live so I can dive from the minion three times a day. So I'm going. The Al-Tarebbe says, I didn't even tell him to do it. I asked him, I said, isn't it, isn't it time? I implied it, yes, but I didn't force him. I didn't tell him to do it. But because he heard I was a student of the Magid, he immediately listened. And you, he says to the Tzemach Tzedek, who I told twice specifically to do it, didn't listen. And unfortunately he lost all his money. The al used to send out Chassidim to different cities, different towns, Shlichas. And sometimes it was difficult and some chassidim were more successful. Their shlichas consisted of reaching out to Jews, outreach that we have today, same outreach that Chabad does, bringing people closer to Judaism, or giving people more of love to Judaism, or giving the people more of an insight to the pnimius HaTerah, the inner secrets of Terah. One such chassid was a chassid named Zalman Zesmer. Prior to departure, the Al-Tarebbe wished him, blessed him with success, and told him, Zalman, don't ever sleep in a house where the door is facing the east. That's all he told him. Don't sleep in a house where the door faces the east. Ibn began his travel. Now needless to say, there was also different things, different tzedakahs that needed to be collected. The al used to send money to Israel, to the poor people in Eretz Yisrael at the time. And there was also, as we said before, the Demei Maimed, the money that used to be given for the Rebbe's household, for upkeep. So the chassidim that went around, if you met other chassidim, you met other chassidim that gave automatically maimed. Sorry? For the Rebbe's upkeep, for the house uh, for the house expenses. And if he, or others, he spoke to and told them how the Rebbe had money, they needed to give money to the poor people in Israel. The Zalman was extremely successful. He reached out to many people, people loved him. He taught many people, educated many people, brought them to where the levels that the Rebbe would want them to be at, set them up, established them, they should have the new Seder, Aveda, how to daven properly, how to learn properly, how to talk and think properly. And he also was extremely successful in money. He amassed quite an amount of money. On his journey home, Somehow, 
In the evening time, the horses went off the path. They started to ride a path that nobody understood. Not the wagon driver, not Absalman, where they were going. Sunset, it was dark, and they were lost. And they started to go, and they saw a distance, they saw a light. So they saw a house in the distance, they pulled up to the house, and the door opens up, and a nice old Jew is standing there, and he says, Oh, kum tzarayin, come inside, please have a seat, have a rest, and everything. Stay the night with me, there's no place to go for a while off of here. Okay. No. Ibn comes in with his peklach, with his wagon driver. And Tzufelik, just automatically he says to him, listen, I didn't have married yet. Yeah, he didn't either. So he says to him, which way is Mizrach? I got a have married, which way is east? So the Balabas shows him which way is east, and he realizes, oh my gosh, the door is there. He turns to his coachman and he says, we can't stay here. We got to book it. Now. But as they started to grab their bags again to run out, the the man, the owner of the house said, no, 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 no. This is one way, my house. I take people in, but they never walk out. Immediately he went outside and he locked the door on them. The Chassid was totally lost. He was totally spared. Very, very upset. What can he do? He's locked in here. They start saying to him. And then they hear a gang of ruffians outside, and they're talking to the man. No, what kind of fish did you catch for us today? And he says, oh, today it looks like I got a big fish. I saw them taking big bags off, and they sounded like they had a lot of money in them. You're going to have a lot of fun with these people. So the ruffian says, the head of the guy says, oh, really, let me go see this. I'm not going to wait till later, I want to see now. And he opens the door, and Zalman says to him, Slushne, listen to me, he says. I am a chosid of a holy man. He has a tracking device on me. He knows exactly where I am. He will see to it that you pay for this dearly if you do anything to me. So do yourself a favor and let us go. No, these thieves started to laugh, started to mock, make fun. No substantiality, such stupidities. Holy man's going to come chase us. We're going to chase us with his book. What's he going to do? Anyway, they locked the door and they left Absalom with his innkeeper, with his wagon driver to Daven. The ruffians themselves laughed off what he said, but the man that opened the door to them, the owner of the house, was visibly shook from the words. Middle of the night, everybody was quiet and asleep. They hear the door unlocking. They're sitting, they're crying, they're saying, Tillam. The owner of the house opens the door and he says, quietly, take your peklach and get out of here. They didn't know what to believe, what to think. This guy is, yes, no, he, before he fooled us, now he's. Is he real or not real? The violin says, please listen to me, they're sleeping, come go now. And they grabbed that peklach and they threw it onto the wagon. And as they were about to ride off, this owner of the house handed the chassid, the bzalman, 50 ruble note. A note of 50 ruble. And he told him, please give this to the rabbi for me. Kitzir Zalman comes back to the rabbi, and he tells the whole story, how he didn't want to stay in that house. As soon as he saw the Rebbe's instructions, the house had a door to the east, he wanted to leave, but it was too late. And uh, how this innkeeper, this owner, let him out, and sent a 50 ruble for the Rebbe. The Rebbe took the 50 ruble note, stuck it in a crack in the wall, and left it there. He didn't want have any part of it. Years went by, and two or three years later, a beggar came to the Rebbe's house. 
But as the beggar came to the Rebbe's house, he told the Shamus, told the Rebbe's secretary, I need to speak to the Rebbe. I'm a poor man, whatever. The secretary came in, told the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, no, I will not see him. The Rebbe reached back and pulled out the 50 ruble note and said, now give this back to him and send him on his way. Only the Rebbe and the beggar knew the story behind this whole thing. Zalman didn't know what happened to the man. But here, this tzedakah that the man gave to the Rebbe was put away for him for when he was actually in need of bread to eat. Tzedakah tatzal mimavis. And whereas the Tehran talks about this only one mitzvah in the Tzpasha of Nasa and Titain, it is very, very important that we repeat and we rele- very relevant that we discuss and we reach out to different angles. I feel the may upon him, like Rashi says, even if it's a hundred times. In Berdichiv, there was once a very important meeting between all the Rabbanim, all the Rebbes. There was a problem in Klai Yisrael, money needed to be raised. The one sitting at the head of the meeting in Bedichev was the Alter Rebbe. Although Rebbe Levi Yitzchak Bedichev was the Rebbe in the town, but he gave the cover to him. And the Alter Rebbe sat with his back to the door. And as they were sitting there in the middle of the meeting, there was a knock on the door. And the Alter Rebbe, without turning around, without them opening the door, said, The Zayda has arrived. The Shpola Zayda got his name as a baby when he was infant. He was called the Zayda. He said everybody would call him Zayda. And not right now we're going to tell his story. Prior to that though, the Alter Rebbe already said by the meeting that we have to tax a quarter of a ruble every Jewish family. And that money would accumulate enough to cover the expenses. There's another opinion that the Rebbe said, every chassan should give a quarter of his dowry. That would be enough. Whatever The amount is not really relevant right here. The Shpolozeda came in and stood on the side. And the Al-Tarebbe told him, please sit down and wash, sit down and join us for the meal. Shpolzeh, they just paced back and forth. And again the Rebbe asked him, Wash, sit down and join us. And again he re- just kept walking back and forth. At which point the Badichavet turned to the Alter Rebbe, they were Mechatonim, their grandchildren got married together. And he said to Mechutin, Don't you know that the Shpolzeh fasts a whole week? He only eats on Shabbos. Salat Rebbe said, I know. But again, he told him a third time, wash and eat. And he washed and he sat down and he ate. And then there was another knock on the door. And the Alter Rebbe said, it's the emissaries of Rebbe Baruch Mezhubuz. Baruch Mezhubuz was a Rebbe, but he was extremely antagonistic to the Alter Rebbe. He did not like the Alter Rebbe. He had a problem with the Alter Rebbe's approach to Chassidishkeit. With his Aveda, his Davani, whatever it was, he had a problem. But here he didn't come himself to the meeting, because the Alter Rebbe was there. He sent emissaries. And the emissaries came in, and they said, that the Mubarak HaMezhubush told us to tell you, in the time of Mardachai and Esther, the Jews were not given a tax. There is other ways to do things. And this is not a way. Let me explain over here that they didn't text each other the story. They didn't email, there was no twit, tweet. They didn't Twitter over here. Tell, But the Rebbes are of a different level and the communication is a different way. Baruch Mezhubuz knew already that the Alter Rebbe imposed this tax. He wasn't by the meeting. But he knew what happened. So he sent emissaries to say not to do this. 
So the Altarebbe who said that he knows that Baruch Mezhbar didn't like him, but he says, look how great Baruch Mezhbar is, she's calling me the Mardachai of the generation. Because he says in the time of Mardachai and Esther, they have to do different ways. In other words, he's calling me Mardachai. Anyway, the Altarebbe said, go back to him and tell him, there are three ways of tshuva. There are three ways to do tshuva for something. One way is fasting. Another is prayer, tefillah. And the third is tzedakah. In the time of the people in Nineveh, the story of Yonah, the people were tremendous, they were very, very low, and their sins were horrific, and their repentance was through fasting. So that generation, that era, needed to repent through fasting. In the time of Mordechai and Esther, the tshuva of the generation was tefillah. They had to pray. Today, says the Alter Rebbe, the service of tshuva is through tzedakah. Actually, I actually had somebody that asked me, Shaila today, they dropped their tefillin. What do they do? So generally, you're supposed to fast X amount of days. But today's day and age, because we don't look at fasting so easily, we don't just tell people to fast so simply. So it's redeemed by its tzedakah. I told them just give tzedakah for it. And so too over here, the Alter Rebbe said to give tzedakah, because that is the way of this generation. Pasha discusses also Pesach. In Pesach, we discuss, of course, Chometz and Matzah. We know the Pasha tells us when it comes to Chagah Pesach, they say all of Chometz, Shevis Yomim, take all of Matzahs. Don't eat Chometz, and seven days eat Matzah. Many differences, chametz and matzah. Chametz rises, and matzah stays flat. It's a physical difference, we see automatically. The rising shows the person, the proud person, and the staying flat shows the humble person, represents the humble person. But the word matzah is spelled mem tzadik hey, and chometz is ches mem tzadik. So both of them are spelled with a mem and a tzadik. One has a hey, and one has a ches. So let us see them in that case. Let us examine the difference of these two letters. Both hey and ches are three-sided. However, the hay has a little opening on the top. The ches is totally sealed, and the hay has a little opening. Spiritually speaking, the opening on the bottom, which both letters have, talks about Pesach Chatas Revets, the doorway of the sin that one jumps. The ches is closed from all other sides. And that refers to the person that goes into this door. But he has no way out. Once you go in, you can't come out. You're going in through, because an entrance, but there's no exit on the other side. Mashenki in the hay has that little opening on the top that one can get out of. Which tells the person that although you are now in a situation of Pesachatus Revitz, but still in all you have that little opening, that little door on top, that you can do tshuva. And it only has to be a little door. Because again, the Rizal tell us, Pischuli kechudesh ha-machat, v'ani eftach l'chem kepischesh l'ulam. Open for me, in Shirashirim Rabbah, a small needle, the head of a needle, and I will open for you the gateway, like gateways of, of, of a fortress. 
a person just has to start thinking about tshuva, and God gives him the strength to keep moving ahead before the head. And God gives him so much so that the person can be from an extreme to an extreme. An extreme wicked person to the extreme tzaddik. So whereas Chomets teaches us about haughtiness and egotistical, and he doesn't have a door for tshuva because it's closed on top, but Matzah therefore tells us about humility, humbleness, and how it does have that outlet for tshuva. But still, they are incumbent one with the other. When a person is egotistical, unfortunately, they don't find anything they do wrong. And they live a life and they say, I'm fine, I'm perfect. And therefore, ultimately, they don't do tshuva. Because I did nothing wrong. And they always find a way to justify what they did. But when a person is humbled, and he stands down, and he doesn't think about himself and his ego, he never tries to justify himself. You tell me I did something wrong, I'll fix it. And therefore he sits down and he makes a cheshman tzedek, from all that he did, and he tries to find a way to do tshuva. And this is therefore the lesson that we have from the Chomets and Matzah, from this week's Pasha where it talks about Pesach. There's also another reference, which we'll hope if we have time we'll go into as well, the concept of when Pesach comes about, and what lesson that is to us. Before that, I'd like to discuss another mitzvah in this week's Pasha. Hanik Tanikli. We send away a servant, he needs to be sent with gifts. Why? Vizacharta, says Tera. The Tera says, Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. And the Almighty redeemed you. I am commanding you to give gifts to a slave, you send them away. To which the Sifri says, I gave you compensation, and therefore you need to give as well. Just like in Mitzrayim, I gave you Berech of Yad, and a great open handedly, you too should give your servant in a great open hand. The mitzvah of an, on a master to give a knocker to a to a servant. We are learning from this pasuk, but Rashi says, why is it saying that God gave Hanakti Vishanisi? That God gave this gift to us. The Egyptians should have been giving it. We were sent out of Egypt. We were slaves to the Egyptians. So the Egyptians, in turn, should have given us this Hanukkah. They should have given us this, this goodbye presence. So by the fact that Hashem says that He gave it, And here the Pasuk only talks about the redemption of Mitzrayim. And it talks about the redemption of Egypt, and yet the gift of God. So the whole thing is missing a portion here. But the fact is, they have one hand in the hand. When it comes to giving Anokah, giving a gift to the servant, there are two facts. One is, it's a, a, a payment to the servant for all that he did and the second thing is the Eved when he gets his severance pay is I'm free it's over, I'm out I'm no longer a slave I was given severance pay I am broken off, I'm finished with this 
This Pasik talks about the second concept. And that's why it talks about Yiftra Hashem Alekecha, the Almighty redeemed you. To tell us that through this Hanukkah, through this giving that the Almighty gave us, we became freed. And that's why we understand also the Hanukkah is given from the Almighty, from Hashem, and not from the Egyptians. Because this severance, although there's no difference who's giving it to us, but the fact that we receive these gifts makes us understand and feel that we are now on a level and a situation of chedus, of freedom. And therefore, it's irrelevant really who's giving it to us. The main idea is we should know that we have been a chedin and that we have been freed. And we no longer have any servitude to anyone else but to Hashem. A very interesting note to didn't want to pass up. In the Pasuk, in our Pasha tells us, Shomer is this spring month, you should be careful with, Vasisa Pesach, you should make Pesach. So the simon, the idea of Chag Pesach comes about, that it has to happen in springtime. What does that have to do with our service to God? According to nature, when spring comes around, the strengths of nature begin to blossom. Something that was hidden the whole winter, flowers, the, the plants, grass, the whole winter we didn't see this, now all of a sudden we start to see this growing up again. So to our eyes, something that we didn't see a whole winter, is now all of a sudden starting to develop. The same thing is also when we left Egypt. After this terrible, bitter exile, the exile of our soul, the exile of our bodies, together, a small glimpse of the revealing of the purity that was able to have effect on the Golas. So for 50 days, the Jews elevated themselves from the 49 levels of impurity until they arrived at Mount Tera and they were able to receive the Tera from God Himself. And this is everyone's understanding. If we have sometimes a little season in our lives that we start to doubt and we think, God forbid, that nothing's growing, nothing's happening, nothing's going on in our life, nothing's moving ahead. It's most definitely... definitely not our fault and therefore it's lacking in actual existence like when now the sun, the, the spring comes around we start to see things grow things sprout a person has to shomer the person needs to keep the month of Aviv, the springtime, and know and be known to them that the growth, the blessings, God's strength and God's power that He instills, instills in us and the blessings that He heaps upon us are all there and all growing. And therefore, although they are sometimes hidden, and sometimes we don't understand where they are and how they are supposed to affect us. We should know that they are always there in essence. And therefore, we should and we should see the ultimate blessings as we're going to now go into Chedesh Elul. We're going to start the Dabr Hashem Eidi And we're going to talk about the Savior. We're going to blow Shefer every day of Chedesh Elul except for Erev Rosh Hashanah 
which we'll discuss at a different time. We should ultimately hear the great Shefer should blow for our Cheros, for our freedom, and we should merit that this very Shabbos, the, pure, the purest day of the month, should be a purity of which we will be elevated to the ultimate elevation of Mashiach Tzidkenu in Yerushalayim Yerakadosh. Reminder again, this Monday evening, 7 o'clock, there's a ladies' meeting at the OL for the Erev Rosh Elul. So anyone that can, join, and bring whoever you can join with us. And we look forward to greeting you at the OL. We look forward to greeting you before that in Yerushalayim, Yerakadosh, Shabbat Shalom to all.